And what a goal it was! Stewart makes it 1-1. And it is a gorgeous little chip. This could well be the moment. It is the moment. Hello and welcome to Kick Off, the Football New South Wales podcast. It is the official podcast of NPL New South Wales and Football New South Wales League's competitions. It's our third episode and we will be checking in on the top divisions of NPL for men's and women's and also a bit of a look at what's happening in Men's League One in this edition as well. My name is Teo Pelizzeri and joining me once again is my co-host Henley Warner. Henley, Hello. Hello, hello. How are we doing today? I want to know, how are you doing? Because, of course, you join us uh, from your other pastime, which is uh, working for the University of New South Wales. Uh, How's the last month been since we checked in with you? Well, the girls are, again, smashing it. We've had Princess Abini join us. She had her home debut earlier. Uh, Was it last week, the week before? Uh, She is loving it there. We love having her there. Great addition to the family. The men, once again... um, as I said, smashing it there, still top of the table, 20 still top of the table. It's going beautifully. Could not imagine a better way to come into this week, honestly. So tell us also about the last month for you. You're still around the Football New South Wales socials on the yes. NPL New South yes. Wales account. Have you been to any grounds that you'd never been to before or um, been out to any games that stick in your memory in particular? I was at Linwood Park last week and I have to say that's like I've been there a few times now for coverage and I have to say it's always freezing. Like I never prepare myself for games there. Like I love going out there, don't get me wrong, but it's always just so cold. Um, that match of the round, especially last uh, was it last weekend with Rams, was a great one to be at. And missed out if you didn't get to go. <laughs> but yeah, what about you? Well, I always enjoy getting back to Belmore. It's one of my favourite venues to go to. It'd be great if the crowds were bigger because Sydney Olympic, when they're up and about, always get a good home crowd. But I always enjoy going to Belmore, even if it is cold in winter, because it's. Uh, I, I like the the old grandstand. It, it's got a, sort of a feeling to it as though um, th- there's a bit of a connection with history there, but also a, a bit of what could possibly be in the future as well. So uh, I'm going back there this weekend, but uh, I hadn't been there until only two two weeks ago this season, so always happy to go out to Belmore. Yeah. All right, Henley, let's get into what's on. Bring us up to speed with some of the events. All righty. Well, we're going into July, and for the 15th and 16th in July, we'll see Manly's Chroma Park host the 2023 Football New South Wales State Cup Finals. So around 28 teams will contest 14 finals across a massive jam-packed two-day event in what will be the first State Cup Finals since 2019. Me, personally, I'm very excited for this. I cannot wait to see it play out. And the second thing that might take your interest for all of our people out there supporting and getting excited for the 2023 FIFA Women's World Cup, the French national team will be taking over Valentine's Sports Park. So this is where they're going to call home for the next few weeks. I'm, again, very excited. I cannot wait for the event. What about you? Well, it means that uh, Cromer Park, it's a great venue um, with all the pitches out there, the main pitch and also the surrounding pitches. So I'm sure the event won't lose anything that it would have had if it was here at VSP. Now, Henley, did I touch on your moment of the month earlier or did you have one specially prepared for us? I think you might know what it is. No, far away. No? What is your oh, moment okay. of the month? <laughs> um, well, this month was actually very special. For, this moment of the month is very special to me and for a particular young boy, um, my younger brother, Ryan, had his first grade debut this month and it 
was quite remarkable to say the least because he's actually a goalkeeper for under 18s in Sydney United. And we had a bit of a feeling he might get a like a debut for goalkeeping. But, you know, second half comes along and we see him running out in a checkered jersey and we're like, mm, that's not a normal goalie jersey. And he's out there debuting as a striker. For us, that was absolutely insane. I, we could have not thought of a more interesting, weird, exciting first grade debut for the kid. It was for the Warriors. When, when's the last time he played as an outfield player? Oh, my gosh. I think we're going, like, back in, like, under 10s, back at, like, Ray Staines FC. It was ages ago. He's always been in goal. That's all he's ever known. And to get him out there running, like, it was very funny to watch. Like, we had my parents, my nan was there. It was a big family thing. And it was something that we least expected to see that night for the Waratah Cup. When is he actually going to get his first game as a, as a goalkeeper then? Or is he going to have to wait? Sydney United are going pretty well. Yeah, they're yeah. going really well. Look, we're hoping sooner rather than later. We've been, like, given little hints. But, yeah, what about you? What's your moment of month? What are you saying? I must admit, I actually was struggling a little bit to find one from the games that I'd been to in person. I mean, I watch a lot of the streams and I was probably heading into the weekend going to pick Apia Leichhardt, keeping their unbeaten yep. season alive in the women's with their comeback against uh, Bulls Academy. But uh, as luck would have it, the most recent game I commentated was the end of the streak. Mm-hmm. Uh, Apia Leichhardt went 15 undefeated plus cup games uh, in the Sapphire Cup to start the season and then Bankstown City beat them 3-2 at the weekend. Uh, oh, really tense finish to the game as Apia were trying to grab an equaliser, but they ended up losing 3-2. So credit to Bankstown, and that was my moment of the month because they treated it like a grand final. I mean, uh, they should. The, the goalkeeper went up at the end uh, when they had a corner trying to get an equaliser. The players were shattered and some of them were throwing bibs and drink bottles in anger oh, at full time, and Bankstown celebrated like they'd won a grand final. <laughs> to be honest. So it's just great to see that that's what it means to mm. the teams. You know, It really meant the world to both teams um, in order to you know try and keep this unbeaten season going. They're still top of the league, yeah. but now they are vulnerable. And I'm sure we'll get into talking about one of the teams that's mm. chasing them when we get to our NPL Women's segment. I think so too. So we've got so much to talk about, it's time to get into our guests. You're listening to Kick Off, the Football New South Wales podcast. Sticks it over the top. She can strike him. She's gone direct. Step over and, oh, how's a little flick from Eunice? And she's found the top corner. Watch every NPL New South Wales game live, free and on demand with NPL.tv or download the app on your mobile device. Flicked it across. It's back now with Marky Petronas. And they've done it. So it's time to get into our guests. And at the top of NPL New South Wales men's first grade, we have one heck of a title race going and one man who could potentially decide it on his own is Alec Uroshevsky. He is the star forward for Rockdale Linden, currently top of the golden boot. Alec, thanks for joining us on kickoff. No problem. My pleasure. It's good to be here. You join us at a time that's that's pretty difficult for Rockdale and for you personally because I was watching the game against Sutherland and unfortunately you've just served a suspension for a red card and your team really missed you in the last game. It's not the perfect time to be catching up with you, but how do you feel as though the season is shaping up given there are still so many games to go? Yeah, um, what a way to celebrate my 200th with a red card, but... Um... Yeah, that's football. Um, you know, you can't have the highs without some lows. So it, it's disappointing and, and I feel feel bad for the team. You know, I let them down missing 
you know, what, 50-odd minutes uh, the Southern game, and thankfully they, they got the win there. But last week was, yeah, it was it was uh, a bit painful to watch from the sideline. And, yeah, we didn't get the results, which, which you know, is a big hit for the title race. But, you know, we've still got a lot of games left, and we've got time to bounce back. I think there's 27 points up for grabs. So, you know, we're still in it. It's, it's a long way from home. Now, you mentioned your 200th game, and, you know, this season it's you, you're just the man of many milestones, the way I see it. You First you score your 100th goal for Rockdale, and then, you know, your 200th game. Can you describe to me your elation after hitting both of these achievements? Yeah, it's um, it's something that I really didn't didn't think that would happen, you know, but, you know, I'm, I'm so happy it has happened. That's such a big club and such a good club. They've looked after me for, for years. I think I've been there for 10 years and it's, yeah, it's amazing to do it at that club. And there's one thing missing though, the trophy. So I'm, I'm eager to get that hopefully this year or, you know, if not uh, next year, we can, we can do it. it. You mentioned the trophy and now that it is first past the post and no final series, how much is that ramped up the level of week-to-week pressure that, you know, there's not the safety net of a top six. If you can't win the title, that's it. How much is that sort of weight on the group in terms of, you know, following the results of Marconi and Arpia? And, yeah, it, yeah. it, it is, from a neutral point of view, it's fascinating. But even when Arpia were drawing nil all at the weekend and then Marconi and Rockdale dropped their games in hand on Sunday, it, the stakes are so high. Yeah, 100%. It's like we say, you know, it's a grand final every single week and it doesn't matter who you pick up points from, you just got to get them. Uh, it could be from the bottom or the top. They're all the same. It's all worth three points. So we know that every week is a grand final and, yeah, unfortunately we slipped up last week. But, yeah, as every team, you know, you're going to have some, some downs in the season. But, you know, it's how we bounce back and we've got the squad and we've signed a few players. So I'm confident we can uh, bring it home strong. Now, you've grown up playing MPL since your youth days from St. George, Banktown City, Sydney Olympic, like the list goes on, yeah. and yeah. then finally to Sydney FC Youth. Can you explain to us you know, how growing up in the MPL world benefited you when you did decide to join the A-League? Yeah, it, um, it's massive. MPL is a big, it's a big stepping stone, and there's players you know, in MPL that now that they could easily play A-League. There's, there's a lot of players Playing there, you know, you, you're training with, with men and you're playing with men growing up and, and it definitely helps your level uh, personally and, and just being around that environment. And, you know, a lot of MPL teams, I know Rockdale, you know, we're very professional and, and you know, it's a good stepping stone. But at the same time, you know, I'm, I'm happy at Rockdale. I, I wouldn't have changed anything uh, with my career growing up. And, yeah, I love it. I love it in the MPL. Now, on the topic of A-League, though, you were approached by MacArthur Bulls this year, but you turned them down. Can you talk us through your reasoning for that? Well, firstly, as you know, I made a commitment to Rockdale. I I want to stay loyal to them and, you know, they've given me everything growing up, like I said, and, and to leave them for, you know, something that's just temporarily, you know, maybe 10 games, it's it um, just didn't really make sense for me. And, you know, I've got I've got a young family and, I got a business, and you know I live close, close to both work and and my business. So for me, yeah, it just wasn't the right time. Um, you know, I'm grateful that I got I got the call because yeah, you know, it's always nice to to feel wanted, and you know, your hard work has you know finally paid off. But for me, yeah, it's just just not the right time for me. And it, I mean, I'm glad that you know someone else could have had a chance, and 
and hopefully, you know, more and more people, you know, in the NPL can take the chances and play the A-League if it's right for them. I guess it's inevitable that when you are not just top scorer, but runaway top scorer at the top of, you know, a top NPL like New South Wales, that everyone's going to want your phone number. Everyone's going to want to make their bid or, or get a word in. So you mentioned how great Rockdale's been for you. I mean, how, how important has the support of that club been and also the environment created for you to stay loyal to them, but for also, you know, for, for them to keep a hold of you when I'm sure you are a man in demand? Yeah. Yeah, like I said, it's it's you know good to be wanted by by other MPL or, or A League clubs. But yeah, for now, you know, I'm really happy at Rockdale. You know, I've, I'm thankfully um you got got the captaincy, and um yeah, it's 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 good. You know, the culture we've built it over the years, and um you know, even players coming in, even just now, you know, we're signing three, four players, and they fit right in. You know, we're just growing, and and I know we're growing something. And like I said, I don't want to leave until I until I got a trophy there. Uh, I think that if that uh, motivates some um, a certain club south of the border for you to win that trophy, and then uh, maybe perhaps a ideologically similar club to Rockdale uh, from the northern suburbs of Melbourne that get three thousand five hundred fans per game, they might be uh, very eagerly at the front of the queue. Should you ever decide that you <laughs> you might want to just uh, give an, a new environment a go, it might be tough to extract you out of Sydney, though I imagine. Is that Preston we're talking about? Oh, I didn't say Preston, but if that's the <laughs> conclusion you drew. <laughs> that's big, yeah. No, I've got a lot of good mates there, you know, Geordie Figon's there, Jake. Um, yeah, it is massive. That club's massive. Um, oh, you know, I watch them every Friday night or, you know, Saturday when they play and big fans, you know, I love that. It, it's good. And, yeah, you know, never know, see what happens. If I can, you know, maybe move the business there or something, I'm sure the family will be happy for an adventure, but. Well, like I said, yeah, Rockdale's number one uh, for me and, and yeah, like, I love them, so it's good for now. You, you mentioned the business. Let's talk about the work-life balance because it is very different for a lot of different NPL players. Many of them are, you know, working uh, and then training, uh, whether it's white-collar jobs, blue-collar jobs, service industry, uh, university studies. Tell us about your day job and just how demanding it is and how football fits work and how work fits football. Yeah, um, I'm lucky enough, you know, to have Paul D and and Stav, you know, they they understand my work life and my my family life. But for me, it's yeah, it's it's early starts. It's you know, two thirty three a.m. starts. Um, getting up, I've got a warehouse in Cogra, you know, just drive there. It's a bit of a lonely drive in the mornings, but but it's good. There's no traffic, not not waiting in you know the bumper to bumper traffic. But it's yeah, it's good. You know, I start. You know, roughly three thirty, I get to Cogra, and then um, I, you know, do do my thing, bake the bread and and the pastries, and then I send them uh, to Miranda, which that's where our shop is in uh in the Westfields there. So yeah, I'm there seven a.m. We set up, you know, and then I'm lucky enough, you know, I can finish, I can finish early and and get home, maybe have a nap or something, you know, play with the kids, and then. And then yeah, I've got you know the afternoon to to spend time with the family, which is really good, and and then go to training. So my life balance is good with work, and you know with football it fits in perfect. So, so yeah, like you said, with the A leg didn't didn't make sense for my you know my whole my whole life to change for for A leg when I've got uh, the family and and the business, which is a bit more important this time of my life. 
And um, oh, it, it, it's interesting that you know you give us those insights into what it takes to juggle NPL football. But as you mentioned, it, it's still such a serious level. It still means so much to so many people. The fans, you know, the away trips and, and the rivalries within the league. And what does the competition come to represent for you, given you are such a, a veteran, still in your 20s, but such a veteran of the league and that's kind of seen it all before and, and yet there might be more twists and turns to come? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I love it. It's. I feel like now people watch more MPL or more fascinating MPL than than A League. You know, it's not having a dig at A League, but MPL. I think just a bit more, bit more culture, and I just think that it's it's growing. You know, every year and fans are coming out. They're so passionate. Yeah, I, I wouldn't like to go anywhere else. MPL is MPL is the best. You know, it, I love it. Now. I was wondering, we want to do a quick 60-second like Q&A rapid fire. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you sound it. thrilled. <laughs> All right. Would you be interested in doing that real yeah, quick? Yeah, of course. Yeah, of Beautiful. course. Beautiful. I don't All know right. what's going to come out of my mouth, but we'll see. <laughs> see. See what happens. That's all good, so I've got editing. <laughs> so who yeah. is the most difficult player you've played against? Oh, oh quick second. Um <laughs> Um, I'd probably say Temba Muatamalo from Apia. He's he's always difficult. Okay, beautiful. Now, Messi or Ronaldo? Oh, Ronaldo. <laughs> Even though I'm left-footed, Ronaldo. Oh, okay. Um, and pre-game pump-up playlist, what's going on in the change rooms? Oh, anything but um, Brendan Chalakian's music is great. Um, yeah, David, uh, David, uh, goalkeeper, he's got the tunes, and yeah, yep. I think Deezer likes that as well. And what's the main song? What's that one song? Oh, he pulls too many rap rap songs. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the pregame meal, what is it? Oh, it's weird, my one. Yeah, I like to eat um, like an egg wrap. It's a bit weird, but it gets me going and, and yeah, I'm buzzing for it. I'm glad you didn't say something boring like, yeah, chicken and rice. I was waiting for something yeah, like that. No, nah, <laughs> nah, a bit weirder. And favourite loaf of bread being a baker? Oh, sourdough. <laughs> and well, from my dad. Yeah, from my dad. Does he just make like a special way or something? Yeah, he just makes it with love. Right. <laughs> and who is an up-and-coming youth player that we all need to watch out for? Up-and-coming. Oh, rapid fire. You got me on the spot here. That's what, no one you're training against uh, that trains up with the Rockdale seniors that, uh, you know, you've yeah. noticed? Yeah. There is, I just don't know their last name, but Jason. Jason. He's a Masso, Masso kid. Um, yeah, he's in the 20s. He's been training with us. He comes, yeah, he comes to mind, but I just don't know his last name. So Beautiful, beautiful. I should know it. <laughs> That's all right. It's all good. I'm sure you'll hear it and be stoked still. Yeah. Um, yeah. So how many more MPL goals do you think you've got in you this season? Oh, well, this season? Yeah. What are we, seven games? I'd like to... At the start of the season, I was I was hoping for twenty five goals, mm-hmm. so I think I'm seven away from that. So yeah, you know, if, I'm, if I can chip in with seven goals, um, that'd be great. I reckon you've got it easy. And the f- favorite away ground to play with at MPL? Away ground, probably Marconi. That's always good there. Good pitch. Forget them early in the season. Yeah, it's good there. Alec, thanks for playing Rapid Fire with us. Thanks for the insights into where your football is at and where Rockdale is at as well. As you mentioned, it is a very compelling and interesting title race and we look forward to you being back on the pitch and being a key part of perhaps a a push to the finish line for Rockdale this season. Yeah, easy. No worries. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Thank you so much for having us. We'll talk to you next time. Thank you. Yes, a big thanks to Alec Urashevsky from Rockdale Linden. You're listening to Kick Off, the Football New South Wales podcast. Stay with us.
Football New South Wales invites clubs and associations to join the celebration and register your community events ahead of the FIFA Women's World Cup 2023. Head to 2023.footballnewsouthwales.com.au to submit your event. All right, Henley, it's time to talk about NPL New South Wales. And we have, I think the, uh, well, I think the uh, awards last season say very much that we have the best player in the league joining us now. Thankfully, well enough to speak to us after we tried to tee this up earlier in the season. It's Roller Butterweer from the NWS Spirit. Roller, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. So how's your season going at the moment? Because the Spirit are in this big pack of teams. They're all chasing Apia Leichhardt up at the top of the league. It really has been a compelling season so far, but how are you personally finding it in your new surrounds? Yeah, I feel like, you know, we've done really, really well. We put in, we have put ourselves in a great position. And honestly, like we just have that winning mentality every game. We did have a little blimp in the road, but I think honestly we needed that because, you know, we were 11 games unbeaten. So having that one loss really made everyone think like, oh, wait, you know, it is actually we can lose. So let's not do that again because we hated that feeling. And yeah, so we did. We're doing really well, I think. Now, Rola, you have had an absolute whirlwind in these past two years. You've had your first stint in the league last year at Sydney Uni and blew absolutely everyone away, so much so that you took home the 2022 NPL Women's Player of the Year. Can you talk us through how that felt after receiving that award and what it meant to you? Yeah, honestly, that was amazing. Like, I was very shocked. I came into the league not really knowing anything. I was just like you know what, like, I really just want to play and I really want to get in the A-League. So just go in every single game like, you know, one of the A-League coaches is, you know, watching. So that's really what my mentality was going through it. And week in, week out, you know, we were doing so well and I was so happy. And then doing those extra sessions, those extra wake-ups and everything that I've been doing my whole life was like kind of like leading up to that. So to get recognized in that way, like, was just absolutely amazing. And I honestly, I, I was just so speechless and I still am. It's, it's just an amazing achievement. And I'm really proud of myself. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the A-League because I was going to ask you about that. It was, you know, soon after that breakout season where you caught the eyes of Sydney FC and the next minute you signed the contract and you're playing in the A-League, going on to be a part of that A-League women's team, the championship team for this year. How do you feel that the MPL system assisted you in that sporting accomplishment? Yeah, honestly, it, the NPL produces a lot of A-League stars. Like you look around and every single team has so many A-League stars. So I think it definitely puts you in a really, really strong position. Like I know a lot of my friends, I'll get texts from them like, hey, like how did you get in the A-League and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, honestly, the NPL is where it's at. That's where you get scouted. That's where, you know, you're already in the country. It's already easier to sell. And um, as an international, it was very hard to find that spot because, you know, internationals are always picked very early on. So I struggled with that a lot. So that was kind of the biggest struggle that I had. But being uh, in the NPL really uh, helped me get a contract, honestly. (laughs) Was there ever a scenario where you thought you were going to spend summer, maybe go back to America, see family, travel, have an off season? Or was the determination, I'm going to be here. And when players get injured, or when contracts get terminated, I'm going to be next one up to step in? 
Yeah, honestly, it was just, I'm going to stay here and I'm going to hope and wait for something to come because I've worked so hard and I've just really, really, really wanted it. And I said, you know, like I've, I heard from a couple of A-League coaches, like, listen, like if anything does happen, you know, you are the first person I'm going to call. So that did make me a bit hopeful, but also, I did want to just earn that right away after I got that NPL Player of the Year. I was like, okay, well, you know, if, if they don't want to sign NPL Player of the Year, I don't know who they're signing. Well, it's interesting because the timing of it, um, your announcement that you were leaving Sydney Uni to join NWS happened, I, I think it might have only been a week or two weeks before Sydney FC came in and signed you for the remainder of the A-League season. So uh, what was the thinking behind uh, ch- choosing a new club and going for the new experience at Spirit? Yeah, honestly, you said it, Taya. Like, I really wanted a new experience. Like, I already played at Sydney Uni and it was amazing and I loved the coaching staff I loved the players I loved the girls like everyone was awesome and then I was like okay well I don't have a contract so do I want to relive this whole year all over again I'm not really sure and kind of just went like you know fresh start I met Tiana and she was just a wonderful person wonderful coach and I was like you know what why not like try something new you know, get out of your comfort zone. And yeah, so I signed with the spirit thinking, you know, okay, I'll just play NPL again. Hopefully I'm now here for a second year. People will see like I'm here to stay and then they'll be interested. So I, that's basically what I did. <laughs> I mean, it's interesting you mentioned Tiana Gauchi there, your coach, because you've played for M Husband at Sydney Uni and Tiana Gauchi now at Spirit, but top women's coaches, and you probably heard it a lot over summer because it was something that you know, the A-League media scene talks about, is that there are just very few top-line women's coaches coming through in Australia, and Football New South Wales is one of the bodies that's really trying to do, do more to embrace that pathway. So what has your experience been like playing for two of, quite simply, the top women's football coaches in the country? Because if you've got a senior New South Wales NPL job, you're only one step away from getting that gig in the A-League women's, and that's what M Husband has gone and done for Central Coast in the summer coming up? Yeah, honestly, I actually just had this conversation uh, like literally last week with another male coach. I was telling him how I have I've had about four women coaches in my life and I love them way more than I love my male coaches. (laughs) They I don't know what it is. I genuinely can't explain it, but they just bring something else to the table that a man just cannot. Like it's just simple as that. And this season, you know, you sign with Spirit, you got a new start. What is your team hoping to achieve this year? Yeah, I mean, of course, we want to win a premiership and, of course, then go on for the club championship and all that stuff. So, yeah, pretty much just we just take game by game, like just want to keep winning. We're doing really well at that. You know, if we if we just put our head down and focus on us and we win every game here on out, I think we will take first place. Now, I wanted to ask about your background, Roller, because we can t- obviously tell from your accent and you, know, you are American, but tell us about your heritage because one thing that, that does, uh, you've probably seen it in your time in Australia, there are very, very few women's players that have Middle Eastern heritage in the NPL, even in social football, never mind in the A-League or in the Matildas. So what's your background and tell us what it means for you to sort of represent a demographic in women's sport that we just don't see in this country? Yeah, I mean, that's that's honestly such an amazing question. Um, so I am Palestinian. I'm a very proud Palestinian. And it honestly means so much because 
Palestine is just not known for, first of all, women in sport. So the fact that I am like a proud Palestinian and my family are so proud of me, like everyone, all my friends, all my family are very proud of what I've been doing and, you know, what I've been like showing what Palestinians can do. And, you know, like you said, like that there's not a lot out there. And I don't know if it's because, you know, they're scared or it's because people think it's frowned upon for a girl to be good at something in sports. And, you know, so I'm I'm just happy that I do have the opportunity to be a proud Palestinian and playing. And I really want that to to get out because I don't want any, I don't want people to just think, Oh, she's just an American. Like I'm actually a Palestinian first and then I'm American. Well, you know, I, so. Just on uh, the American side of things, are you, are you full stars and stripes for the women's world cup or has your time in Australia maybe swayed you that if the two of them, they can't meet until the final at least. So it's maybe not a decision you'll have to make unless it's the best case scenario, but are you USA all the way or would you be willing to barrack for Australia if they made it and played the US? USA in a World Cup final. You know what? I'm a hundred percent Australia. I have made like a lot of uh, friends here that are Matildas, and I back them all the way. Now, uh, Henley's going to ask a question about what brought you to Australia to begin with. So we've heard you have quite a bit of a funny story with you know playing for Sydney Uni in the start of that. So what we've heard is that your partner is actually a very successful water polo player from Sydney Uni themselves and has represented the country. Can you tell us a bit about that crazy story about how you actually got started in the football scene over here? Yeah, so, yeah, my partner is Australian, born and raised. And um, so he came over to America. We met about six years ago now. Um, We met, um, we went to the same college and... We did distance for about two, three years. I didn't see him for two years because of COVID. Um, And then uh, finally we got reunited and I wanted to play in Australia. I've always wanted to play in Australia, even before I even met him. So it just happened to work out that, you know, he's Aussie. (laughs) And um, yeah, he was saying like, you know what, like, why don't we try to get you over here like the NPL way and then try try it that way i was like yeah like i would love that so he plays at sydney uni uh, he's on the water polo team and um one day he instead of going to gym right before he goes to gym he went and uh just talked to um one of the athletic directors there or the trainers or somebody and was like hey like you know my partner wants to come play here um she's really good and i think you guys would want her <laughs> Um, and so they're like, yeah, we'll show us her. And, you know, he ended up, uh, sending them my, like a highlight tape and stuff. They're like, yeah, well, we definitely want her to come. So literally got on the phone with Emily and, um, uh, automatically just gelled so well with her. She's just such a easy person to get along with. And yeah. And then they're like, yeah, when can you come out? I'm like, oh, I can come out in like a month or so. They're like, okay, sounds good. And then literally just flew all the way over here. <laughs> I mean, some of the stories of, as you say, non-Australian nationals, so yeah, the A-League team has to commit to a foreign player. Uh, they all come to Australia in such different ways. Some are headhunted straight out of the NWSL. Others have stories a lot more like yours that includes going via the NPL. And I guess you, know, you had the benefit of being somewhat in demand with a number of coaches saying, you know, if we have an injury, you're the next player we're calling and things like that. But what advice 
would you give and have you given to players in the NPL system that have ambitions of getting to the next level? Because even looking at your NWS Spirit team, I see players that could make the step up, but the circumstances have to be right, whether it's the position they play, whether it's the form they're in, whether it's the needs of a club, whether they're willing to go into state. And there's so many stories like that where players, be it their day job or because they're studying or because they don't want to leave their hometown and their family, it can be so difficult to make that move and jump into the A-League. So what are the things that you say to your teammates, but also aspiring players about what it takes to make that jump from NPL to the National League? Yeah, I mean, I guess the advice I would give is um, I genuinely, like, I know it's cliche, but never to give up because I remember when after, you know, I didn't get a contract and, you know, I was talking to coaches, but, oh, they couldn't give me that last visa because they already had somebody. And I just like, you know what? I am so determined to make this A-League team, any team. I am just going to do whatever it takes. So when I, even when I signed to Spirit, I was just thinking, okay, I'll just play another NPL season. And you just never know what's around the corner. Like, I didn't even think like, oh, someone's going to get injured and then I'm going to go or or something doesn't work out with their visa paperwork. And then I'm here, you know? So I would just say, like, honestly, never give up because you genuinely don't know what's around the corner. I think that's a great piece of advice for all players, regardless yeah. of what team they're on. That's amazing. Now, we want to end off with a quick little, like, 60-second rapid-fire Q&A. Are you up for it? <laughs> of course. <laughs> good, good. All righty. You ready? Yep. Okay. Who do you think is the most difficult player you've played against? Who is the most difficult player I've played against? Uh, oh, you know, I'm going to say Alex Hun on MacArthur. Oh, yeah. I saw her play on the weekend. I can understand why you said that. Absolutely. Arsenal or Chelsea women's? Oh, Chelsea all the way. Good, good. Go to Pump Up Playlist. What's the song? Ooh. Um, oh, my God. I'm really bad at this. Uh, <laughs> who, who, who controls the music in the spirit uh, dressing room then? Oh, uh, I think, oh, I don't even know. I think it's Morgan, actually. Morgan Roberts. So is there like one particular song just gets absolutely pumped before going out? Oh, my God. I don't even know I'm blanking, honestly. I'm sorry. That's okay. <laughs> Next question. Who is winning the World Cup? Who is winning? I'm going to say Australia. Good girl, good girl. And the pre-game meal? Pre-game meal is chicken and rice. Yum. An up-and-coming youth player at your club we have to watch out for. Ooh, up-and-coming youth. Oh, Merrick Stanek Floody. Okay, beautiful. And what's your favourite away ground to play at for MPL? Ooh, I don't know because we play in a lot of synthetic and I really don't like synthetic. <laughs> oh, okay, <laughs> I get that, I get that. And Well, you can choose Sydney Uni because that, that's an away ground for you now. So no, there you go. I love, actually, I was just talking to one of my teammates. I love Sydney Uni's ground. I, I know everyone's like, oh, I hate playing at Sydney Uni, but I loved it. It was the most amazing even if it's i don't even care if it's muddy i still loved it more than i more than i love synthetic and what do you reckon is the best thing about australia oh i would definitely say the beaches oh i like that answer well roller butterweer thanks for giving us the chance to learn a bit more about you and get an insight into how your season is going at nws spirit you are one of the highest profile players in npl women so thank you for flying the flag for the competition and help raising the profile for the league as well Oh, thanks so much for having me. I honestly enjoyed it so much. You're listening to Kickoff, the official podcast of NPL New South Wales and Football New South Wales League competitions. Back with more in a moment. 
Mitre is the official ball sponsor of NPL New South Wales and Football New South Wales League's competitions. Visit Mitre Sports Australia for all your football needs. Mitre, a different league. Let's get into our leagues chat now and talk a little bit about Men's League One, but also there's a bit of an Australia Cup flavour to it as well because our guest from the Interlions is Daniel Georgievsky. Daniel, it's great to have you on kickoff. Thanks for having me on, guys. Now, uh, we know each other from uh, working together on the 10 Network A-League coverage, Daniel, and I remember when we first met... I got into grilling you about how retired are you? Do you want to play NPL? And I must admit, when we were chatting, it was probably about a year and a half ago, it might have been the furthest thing from your mind and you were just enjoying, you know, being retired and moving into the media and doing something a little bit new. So at what stage did you get the bug to start playing and start playing at a serious level again? Um, Honestly, I wouldn't know. I had been approached by a few NPL clubs, NPL one clubs, and I, like I told you, I had no interest in that at all. And then Interlines is obviously attached to the academy that my business partner and I run, and they approached me. I'm very good friends with George Paradisus and the the coach there, John uh, JT, and um, we had a bit of a chat. And I said, "Look, I'm not really in the mood." They go, "Look, we just want to get promoted. This is our vision," and it just seemed like something to help out the club in that whole CBFI region. And that was pretty much it. The only issue I had was I didn't really touch a ball for 10 months, so I didn't know how I was going to go. And um, the boys were all cool. They were all nice. They were all accepting. And I put my head down. And I said, look, let's give it a go. If, I, if I'm feeling too much pain, I'm going to stop. But it was just enjoyable. So that's where I was like, you know what, I'll, I'll keep playing if they, if, they, if they will have me. Now, Daniel, you've had quite an extensive career. You know, you're starting off in your youth days out at Marconi Stallions and then travelling overseas whilst you were still quite young playing in Croatia with Dynamo Zagreb. Now, how did this enhance your career and, like, how had the MPL prepared you for that? Um, not at all uh, because Europe – I left in 06 when the A-League was, I think, the first season, which was, like, three, four months from memory. So, yeah, even, even now – if you were to play in the A League, they can't prepare you for Europe. What it, what's what's gonna what's over there? So no matter as much as you learn or you hear, like now back then there was no iPhone, so the educational part of what to expect wasn't there. So me when I went over to Europe, my first year like I was playing for Macedonia, so that was an eye opener for me quality wise. And then when I went to Dinamo Zagreb, like Taya mentioned, and pretty much for a whole year I was training with the team in the morning and in the afternoon individually for a whole year. And that's where I kind of got my education in football. Um, so it took a whole year, <laughs> to be honest. So as much as NPL would have tried, or back then was reps, um, could have tried to kind of help me out, I was still far away of what was expected in Europe. So that's why it literally took me a whole year to get there. You mentioned that there's uh, an academy that you're involved with now. As far as you know, what you're educating, how much of it is skill acquisition, learning the game versus taking uh, elite players and, you know, polishing them and, and trying to push them up to the next level? What is it that you want to get out of coaching and education that's motivating you at the moment? Yeah, so with the academy, obviously, they're all more younger kids and we do run a seniors elite programs as well. So I think with them just giving them basic fundamentals of football, which is like you would say, you're, you're stopping the ball, you're passing, your vision – all those basic stuff that everyone says, oh, that's, I know that, you actually don't because when you go higher and higher in football, 
you're doing that at an extremely high level. And that's what I was taught, especially that, that year. I was 18 and a half going to Croatia. That's what I did for literally a year to try to make it professionally. So if I can educate these kids younger, then obviously that'll, that'll put them in a, you know, a front foot to be understanding of, okay, I already have these fundamentals. I can move forward. If I knew what I knew when I was 18, when I was nine, it would have been a different career. So the kids do know a lot now. It's just in a different aspect and they, they veer off and watch too much YouTube and all these other TikToks where they think juggling is the main thing. And I'd say, look, juggling never got me to be professional because <laughs> I couldn't juggle until I was 20 years old. So all those teachings that literally were things that you do need, we try to, we, we give them that. And the ones that want to learn, they progress and you just push them in a nice, a lovely environment. We always, we create a good environment, no yelling, any of that, but we teach them the, the stuff of football, which I learned through my whole career. And as far as where playing competitively fits into what you're still getting out of the game, I mean, do, do you envisage that this was one last hurrah this season or do you feel as though now you, you will be able to play sustainably into your mid to late 30s and maybe um, you know retirement was enough of a break uh, from the professional game to find a bit of love and, and continue going at an NPL level? Um, to be honest, I'm not the type to take a position if there's a kid that has ambition to make it higher if that makes sense so <clears throat> if there is a kid that you know plays and wants to go to the elite i'm there to help them i'm there to push them and show them what you do actually need so there is that aspect as well hence why i never want to get into npr because they aspire to be professionals um even at interlines there's kids that do want to make it so you're there teaching more than anything else and secondly if my body gives up then i'm done <laughs> that's pretty much it. <laughs> if I'm waking up with too much pain, say I'm 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 done. It's getting so old. <laughs> with with that, yes, it's it's a few factors, but I think um yeah, as long as I'm enjoying it personally, then I'll be there. If they want to still have me, I'm a very good relationship with the club. So regardless of that, it, it really just depends. There's a few factors in there, but you know, the the body seems fine and you know, I'm there to to teach and educate them more and just just enjoy the football, and that's what football gave me. Now, I was wondering if we could have a bit of a chat about Interline. So you're currently sitting around eighth on the ladder, 30 points. You're tied with Northern Tigers. What is the ambition for the team this year? Where do they see themselves going? Well, last year when they when they approached me, they were in NPL 2, is that, I think, Division 3, let's just say that. Yeah. And they aspired to get into the next division. I said, look, I'll help you guys out. I'll just blah, blah, blah. So we ended up getting promoted and obviously they wanted to get promoted again like every club does. But there is a big difference between the division we played last year to this division. So it was a big wake-up call for a lot of players to realise the conditioning, the the attitude or or the discipline, all this stuff. So the club obviously has has, um, admirations to get to, aspirations, sorry, to get into the first division and compete against your Rockdales, against your Sydney Olympic and all that. But at the minute, it's not our results aren't getting the way that we wanted to, but at the same time, we're not giving up because in football, you can go on a five, six game winning streak and still potentially get up in the top two, top three, whatever it'll be. So, yeah. Now, when this podcast comes out, the round of 32 draw for the Australia Cup already will have been made and you'll already know your opponent. But let's talk about the journey to get into the national rounds, um, especially beating Rockdale on the way to get in. Is this something that 
you knew the team was capable of or was it genuine magic of the cup and just one of those lightning in a bottle things that allowed you to go on the run to get all the way through to the round of 32? Well, the club actually did um, you know, say that at the start of the season that we do want to compete in the um, Australian Cup. So a lot of first-team boys, so last year it wasn't like that. This year they said, no, we want to push because we have a strong enough squad. So obviously extra games, midweek games, going to Wollongong, et cetera, et cetera. And obviously playing Rockdale, we played them at home. And I think they underestimated what we can do. And I think it was just our night, to be honest, the magic of the cup, as we always say on air and um yeah we just kind of you know didn't make any mistakes it was just that type of game and i think the one little gap we gave them they ended up scoring in the last minute or so so we played a good game but i think rockdown just underestimated us did you cop anything over the fence given you know you are a former macedonia international <laughs> and you've knocked sydney's big macedonian club out of the cup um look i always cop the stick when i play obviously they call me a a-league reject um, all the time. That's a bit rough. Did you show so, them your, your trophy cabinet and your winners' medals? No, um, I, I just look and laugh because the ones that do know, like even my teammates, they just look at them. They go, "Are you are you serious?" Like you actually <laughs> have to say that, and you think you think that's all right. But they do try to hack me all the time, so that's why I'm saying with my body will will hold that. So I'm a bit old, a bit wiser in football. I do try to avoid getting to those contacts. But um, yeah, look, they they did throw a bit of bit of stuff there, but I had a bit of a laugh with you know they. They obviously were angry, and I went up to them. I go, guys, like, just relax. It happens. Football moves on. Obviously, they just expected to steamroll us. So, you know, you get you get that stick being an ex professional player, but I guess it comes to the territory once the once that final whistle goes and it's finished. You can't really do much. So. Yeah, still cop the stick. <laughs> now, you've won the FA Cup or what's now known as the Australian Cup as well as championships and premierships with Melbourne Victory. Now, it's quite the list of achievements, but what is it like now, you know, from the other side and now playing for a lower league team? Can you talk us through, you know, your feelings and thoughts about that? Um, it's actually, I don't really have many, to be honest. I just want the boys to obviously feel something that I felt, if that makes sense, obviously playing against more elite oppositions. And FFA Cup, oh, the, Australian, the Australian Cup actually gives the players that and to see, okay, what level do I need to be at? Obviously, they'll compare to me, I'm 35 and I barely train. So it's a different type of teaching that they will get if they're playing against an opponent opponent that wants to, you know, what we what I used to do when I played was just, you know, smash, uh, win, all those things. So the fact it's more to give to them to be like, okay, we can compete. We just have to play a bit smarter. Obviously, they they train more than us. They're you know at a, at a higher level, <clears throat> and those little things, those little details, you know, these players that you know obviously probably veered off, I guess, the system or whatever it is to become professional. They still have that that fire in them to compete and to to obviously beat the higher teams, and that's what it was with us. Rockdale it was a great celebration. From the boys, I went home. Um, they they soldiered on. They had a good time, and that's that's what it's all. That's what football will always give you. And I always say it's, it's the best feeling in the world. But then to back it up on Saturday, I think we struggled um, that week. So those little things, yes, the the competition still is still there. But for the boys, it's it, for me, it's just giving back to the boys and the club. And for them, it's it's much more rewarding than it is for me. 
Well, let's finish uh, just on uh, the boys, as you say. Some of your teammates, the coach. Tell us, what are the characteristics of the group? What, who were sort of the dressing room, you know, leaders that set the tone, be it football or social? And how would you describe sort of the environment and, and the culture around the club? Um, the funny thing is, I remember years ago, Archie Thompson, when he retired, he told me, he goes, man, when you retire, you got to play in the NPL. He goes, the boys are just so much fun. Like, it's different to when you're in a professional setting. And I remember that well, back 2016 or 17, like that. And then uh, Faye Denkafla was a good friend. He also went into the NPL system and he said the same thing. He goes, the boys are just, just genuine. I mean, in a professional setting, it's a lot of egos and a lot of all this stuff. He goes, you don't get it in there. And literally, I wanted to just to see how that went. And it actually is exactly that. The boys are just all cool. They've all got a, their jobs. They've, they're all for a good laugh. They're there to fight. You know, they, they don't mind the beer after the, um, not after a game, but like, you know, on the weekend. And they put in a WhatsApp group. And it's pretty much all just, just a bunch of boys. It's that football spirit without their egos, without the bull crap. So it's quite enjoyable. It's quite good to be a part of it. So in the dressing room, obviously, you have a few older players. Um, but it's, you don't feel it. Like I'm, the goalkeeper is obviously a year older than myself, but us older ones, there's a one or two that are 30 years old or whatever, the rest are in their twenties and everyone's just cool. Everyone's just chill. It doesn't really matter your age. Everyone just, you know, talks a lot of crap and just in, enjoys playing, putting the boots on and going to go and kick a ball around and obviously be, be happy what they're playing and get the club to get to a level where, you know, they can be part of the club's history. Well, Daniel, the uh, adventure for Interlions in the Australia Cup still has a few twists and turns to go, as does the rest of the Football New South Wales League One season. Thanks for joining us on Kickoff. Thanks for your insights into Interlions and where football is taking you at the moment, and we appreciate your time. Cheers, guys. Thank you very much for having me on. That was Daniel Georgievsky from the Interlions. You're listening to Kickoff, the official podcast of New South Wales NPL. We'll be back with more in a moment. So, Henley, we've spoken to all of our guests for the month. What are you looking forward to before we catch up again in a month's time? Oh, gosh. The World Cup. I'm getting so pumped. We'll be right in the middle of the World I Cup know. this time next month. I know. We're going to have so much to talk about. How great is this going to be? We need France to get knocked out early so we can come back <laughs> to our studio. Back home. I agree. I agree. No, I'm very excited. It's been a great podcast this episode. I'm so excited. It's so great to hear from all these guests. And next month, bigger and better, I say. So we will be back with kickoff in a month. However, don't forget to check out the Football New South Wales Community Podcast. It is a must-listen for anyone involved in grassroots football. The latest episode features Football St George CEO Phil Brown and discusses local female football initiatives, non-traditional community football competitions, and also celebrates football for all. Henley Warner, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me again. And my name is Teo Pelizzeri. Thanks for listening to Kick Off, the Football New South Wales podcast. We'll speak to you next time. And what a goal it was! Stewart makes it 1-1. And it is a gorgeous little chip. This could well be the moment. Yeah!